Welcome to NASA Talks. I'm Jeannie Hamrick, NASA's Director of Communications. This NASA Talks episode will feature Andrea Seit. Andrea is Chair of NASA's Regulation Best Interest Implementation Committee, and she also serves as Ohio Securities Commissioner. During this podcast, Andrea will explain Regulation Best Interest, which is also known as RegBI. She'll go into detail on this important topic for the securities industry and how investors benefit from the robust application of this rule. Andrea, welcome. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on NASA Talks. Thanks, Jeannie. I'm really excited to join NASA Talks. Um, I'm always happy to talk about Reg BI, and I'm really excited to talk about NASA's new Reg BI report. Uh, States have a really important interest in this rule. Okay, well, that's good. Let's get started with this conversation. And Andrea, can you please describe the SEC's regulation best interest rule, its origin and its goals? Sure, sure. So regulation best interests, which I will also call Reg BI for short, is the rule that the SEC passed back in 2019 to elevate the broker-dealer conduct standard. The rule was passed in response to a legislative mandate imposed by Congress on the agency known as the Dodd-Frank Act of 2009. Now, that act did a lot of different things, but one of the things that Congress wanted to do was understand why brokers were not held to the same fiduciary standard of care that investment advisors were held to back at that time when the brokers were providing what we call personalized investment advice to retail investors. And investors were really confused about these differences back then. They didn't understand the differences between investment advisors and brokers because they all went by the same title of advisor. So Congress directed the SEC to study those differences and told them they should update those standards of care for these professionals if the SEC deemed it appropriate. Oh, that's a good explanation. Thank you, Andrea. Well, let me ask you this question. The SEC obviously deemed Reg BI appropriate by adopting regulation best interest in 2019. Do you know why it took 10 years for the SEC to get this rule passed? And as a follow-up question, what does regulation best interest do for investors? Yeah, well, the SEC was given over 100 legislative mandates in Dodd-Frank. And so Reg BI, or this conduct standard issue, was just one of the issues that the SEC had to look at. And before the SEC could even finish the work it was doing on Dodd-Frank, Congress delivered dozens more of studies and rulemaking mandates under another piece of legislation known as the Jobs Act. So the SEC has been very busy working on all of these legislative mandates and studies for the past 10 years or so. But Reg BI, what we're going to talk about today, I would think most people think that it was the most important and probably the most controversial rulemaking that the SEC had to complete. And so the SEC held hundreds of meetings on the rule. They reviewed thousands upon thousands of comment letters. And we saw two different SEC chairs come and go before the SEC even got the proposal out the door. And, and NASA was very actively engaged in all of those meetings and, and, and letters and, and definitely played a big role in the rulemaking process. So the SEC could have done a lot of different things with Reg BI. Uh, For example, investor advocates, they wanted to see the SEC impose a fiduciary standard on brokers. As you may recall, that's the same standard that investment advisors are held to. Uh, They wanted to make sure that when they were providing that personalized investment advice, that brokers were upholding that higher standard. 
But the SEC chose not to do that. It decided to keep those legal standards separate and distinct. The SEC did borrow, however, that best interest concept from the fiduciary duty standard, and that helped them craft these new and heightened obligations on brokers. This compromise, which NASA support, uh, is intended to make sure that the interests of the customer come first, no matter which type of professional they hire. Oh, okay, so that makes sense, Andrea. Thank you. So another question. Let's talk about the practical way that Reg BI currently works. What brokers must do in order to put investor interests first? So did Reg BI remove, for lack of a better term, the sales component of investing from the picture? And then did it require broker dealers to focus more on the investor's financial goals rather than their own financial personal goals? Well, not exactly. I think, you know, there's always going to be a sales component in a brokerage account. I mean, that's how brokers get paid. They get commissions on an investment product that they sell. So Reg BI is never really going to change that, that dynamic. But it, it, it does require the brokers to up their due diligence game by only recommending products that are in the best interest of their customers. So under the older standard, which we call the suitability standard, brokers could sell any product that was basically suitable. In short, you know, if it's suitable, it's good enough, and, and that would comply with the standard. Um, that's not going to be the case under Reg BI. Another investor protection component that Reg BI requires is that brokers have to eliminate or mitigate any financial incentives they have to steer their customers into what we call more costly or more remunerative products. And so that was another big issue that Congress was very concerned about in passing Dodd-Frank and is really a critical piece of Reg BI. Oh, that's, that's good to know. Um, Andrea, you mentioned earlier that NASA has a strong investor protection interest in this new rule as well. Can you share a little bit about NASA's work on Reg BI and what you and other NASA members have been doing as the rule is in the process of being implemented, has been being has been implemented, and the next steps you're taking? Yeah, so NASA, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, has been very actively engaged in basically every step of the process. NASA worked closely with the SEC as it developed its first study on this issue back in 2009 as part of the Dodd-Frank Act, and it's met with every SEC chair and commissioner since Dodd-Frank was passed. NASA has written numerous comment letters, and we've met with members of the securities industry as well. So NASA has been very actively engaged on Reg BI. Once Reg BI was finally adopted in 2019, NASA really rolled up its sleeves then and, and formed a committee to tackle implementation from every angle. I chair the NASA committee, but we have a lot of teams advancing different work streams. So I'm just a small part of that larger group effort. We have a team who is evaluating the need for an analog state rule on the policy side uh, because states may want to update their state regs in light of Reg BI. And then we have another team that really focuses on examination strategies, and it's their work that we're going to discuss today. The exam team pulled together 35 states to conduct a national Reg BI exam sweep. And we have two phases to this exam initiative. We completed phase one back in 2020. That work gave NASA a baseline of data, which documented where the securities industry stood back in 2018 before Reg BI was even passed. And then phase two started earlier this year with follow-on exams to collect data documenting where the industry stands now 
a year after RegBI's compliance deadline. So we wanted to have that pre and post BI data. In phase one, the period before RegBI, NASA found big differences between broker dealers operating under that suitability standard we talked about and investment advisors operating under the fiduciary duty. Some examples of those differences would be that investment advisors generally took more conservative investment approaches overall. They tended to avoid the higher cost, riskier and complex products. They also reported more robust due diligence, disclosure and conflict management practices. When complex products were sold, however, Broker dealers were twice as likely as investment advisors to be the ones recommending the purchase of um, leveraged and inverse exchange traded funds or leveraged and inverse ETFs, um, seven times as likely to recommend private placements, which is a high risk product, eight times as likely to recommend variable annuities, and nine times as likely to recommend non-traded REITs. Again, all of these products are what we would call complex, costly, and risky products. Okay, so that that that's very interesting. What are the specifics of the NASA survey that they um, did as part of the phase two survey? What what specific results um, did that survey reveal? Well, all of the committee's findings can be found in what the phase two A report, which is on NASA's website at a very high level. I think we would say NASA found minimal reform in the broker-dealer industry in the first year after RegBI's compliance deadline. We were hoping to see more progress there, but unfortunately, I think we saw most broker-dealers continuing to operate just as they had back in 2018 under the suitability rule. The data shows firms are not properly considering fees, costs, risk, and conflicts in making their recommendations to investors today. I mean, it's 2021, it's a year after the RegBI deadline. And we have broker dealers who are still not being straight with their customers regarding lower cost or lower risk products. And we still see too many broker dealers clinging to harmful compensation conflicts that we know fiduciary firms avoid. Okay, that's that's good to know. Um, Andrea, let's dig a little deeper, if you don't mind, into each of the areas that you just mentioned. Um, Again, requesting specific points here. What did the data points reveal um, on the due diligence front? Are there specific numbers that you can share? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The data indicates firms have not materially reformed their due diligence policies to more carefully match their customers with products after Reg BI. And so I'll give you a couple of stats uh, for you to think about when we talk about this due diligence uh, part of the report. For example, 47% have no formal investment limitations tied to age when they sell private securities, variable annuities, and non-traded REITs. And we know that elderly investors frequently need to tap into their investments to pay for health care and long-term care. And that can't happen and can't be accommodated when they're stuck in, a, in an illiquid product. So it's kind of crazy to think that half of the firms out there today are operating without that basic protection and guardrail for investors. Another stat would be 32% have no formal investment limitations tied to their customers' liquidity needs when they sell the products listed above. It's basically the same investor protection issue. We don't want investors to get locked into investment uh, when they need to tap into those assets to cover daily living expenses. Another stat would be 44% have no formal limitations tied to the customer's financial sophistication when they're selling these complex products. 
And, you know, normally when you're selling something that's complex, you want to make sure that the retail investor has the financial sophistication necessary to understand what they're getting into. Otherwise, they can't make informed, you know, informed investment decisions, which is never a good thing. Another statistic would be that 38% have no formal investment limitations tied to their customer's stated risk profile when they're selling these risky products. And that's a real big problem. When you sell a risky product and you're not being transparent and you're not making sure that the customer can tolerate that level of risk, it's going to create a product mismatch. And that product mismatch is going to result in an investor complaint. And we see that commonly with our elderly investors. So we're definitely keeping an eye on that. And then lastly, Another finding on the due diligence front would be that 5% selling these costly, complex, risky products have no product-specific guidelines and no product-specific training at all. <laughs> so that's pretty troubling, even under the old suitability standard, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Um, you mentioned that there are some findings that reflect inadequate disclosure by broker-dealers after RegBI. What, what are some of the data points there? Yeah, well, firms have generated many new forms of disclosure documents after Reg BI, um, but I think more is not always, uh, you know, good thing. Sometimes what you see is our consumers and our investors being overloaded with microprint boilerplate kinds of disclosure documents, and and the states do not think that that kind of disclosure is going to meet Reg BI's requirement of fair disclosure. We believe the firms need to let their customers know upfront. And in plain English, as the SEC likes to say, all material fees, costs, and conflicts of interest that are associated with their recommendations. And we're just not finding that. In fact, the data shows us that 44 to 75% of the firms that are selling complex and costly products are not disclosing their upfront commission at the point of sale. Um, outside of the disclosures that might be found in a prospectus, which we know a lot of investors do not read. Another stat would be 49 to 66% of the firms that are selling non-traded REITs and private securities are not disclosing the deferred sales charges outside of the prospectus. That's real compensation. It poses some conflicts that the, the investors need to know about before they accept the broker's recommendation. And then lastly, on this front, 65% of broker-dealer firms surveyed are not disclosing discussing lower cost or lower risk products with their customers when they recommend complex, costly, and risky products. And that's a problem. NASA strongly believes targeted point of sale disclosure is the key to satisfying Reg BI's disclosure obligation, especially with respect to complex, costly, and risky products. Hey, Andrea, I think you also mentioned that the report indicates that there are still large gaps between broker-dealers and investment advisors after Reg BI, which is obviously not where Congress wanted this rule to land. Um, so what kind of data can you share there? NASA's Phase 2A report has lots of interesting stats on this topic. I'll share two different kinds of uh, stats with you. First, the broker-dealer firms have increased their participation in high-cost, high-risk products after Reg BI. And as we know from phase one report and continuing into phase two, these products tend to generate a lot of investor complaints. And we know that fiduciary firms, by and large, do not recommend these products. The committee found that the percentage of broker-dealers selling these four complex, costly, risky products increased by 11% after Reg BI. The percentage of broker-dealers selling hedge funds, cryptocurrency, and structured products 
These are other high-risk products for retail investors. Those also increased by more than 10% after Reg BI. Another distinction that remains between broker-dealers and investment advisors after Reg BI is that broker-dealers have not eliminated or effectively mitigated compensation conflicts that fiduciary firms avoid. The committee found that there was a paltry 0 to 6% reduction in compensation conflicts by broker-dealers after Reg BI. That is not what we were wanting to see. We definitely thought we would see and hoped we would see more progress than that. 26 to 31% of the broker-dealers selling these products are also engaging in product agnostic sales contests, and they're getting extra compensation, extra cash, extra trips, perks, whatever you want to call it, from the product manufacturers. We only see those kinds of perks in 1% to 3% of the investment advisors. So there's a big difference between broker-dealers and investment advisors when it comes to these compensation conflicts. And so the data makes clear that Reg BI has a long way to go to close those investor protection gaps that are separating our broker-dealers from investment advisors when it comes to conflicted advice. Andrea, that, that's amazing information. Thank you for sharing that with us. So what are NASA's next steps in addressing this very complicated but very important Reg BI issue? Well, NASA would like to see the SEC come out with clearer guidance to not so gently remind the firms of the rules chief directive. You know, Reg BI was adopted so that firms would start placing their customers' interests first and so that they're making sure they're recommending products that are not only suitable, but are in the best interest of their customers. They can't do that unless they start reforming their policies and procedures in the care disclosure and conflict areas that we lay out in this report. States are now shifting to on-site and virtual examinations of specific firms to address those compliance deficiencies, but we really would like to see more guidance from the SEC. Thank you, Andrea. This is great information. Your insight and valuable advice is, is really, really very helpful. Thank you, Andrea. Well, thank you, Jeannie, for uh, taking time to hear me out today, and I'm happy to raise awareness of the importance of Reg Best Interest. If a listener is interested in learning more about the report, please go to nasa.org for more details, and thanks again. Thank you, Andrea, and thank you for listening to NASA Talks. NASA Talks was produced by Karen Grahalis. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch the latest from NASA, you can follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at NASAA. Thank you.